Welcome to Season 4 of the Leadership Educator Podcast, your source for knowledge and expertise on facilitating leadership education, training, and development. Interested in keeping up with the leaders' conversations across the leadership discipline? Want to add more to your resource toolbox with practical strategies for teaching, learning, and program design without changing your routine? Well, this is the podcast for you. If you haven't done so already, please hit subscribe so you don't never miss an episode. Hello, and welcome to the Leadership Educator Podcast. I'm Lauren Bullock, Assistant Professor of Instruction at Temple University. And I'm Dan Jenkins, Chair and Associate Professor of Leadership and Organizational Studies at the University of Southern Maine. And we are so excited for this episode of the podcast. We're joined today by Dr. Corey C. Miller. Welcome, Corey. Hi there to both of you. So glad to be on with you today. Corey, I'm excited to have you on. You're somebody that I've been blessed with the opportunity to, to work with for, for maybe longer than you would have liked. Um, and... <laughs> Also, was somebody that kind of uh, academically stalked for a little bit early on in, in my career because you had had some profound influence on on my research early, and certainly someone that you know I had cited in my dissertation research and and whatnot, and, and had an opportunity to visit your campus when you were still at the University of Arizona to attend the NCLC, a National Collegiate Leadership Conference which um, I had been doing some, some work on critical thinking. And the theme that year was, I still have the t-shirt, was something like leading outside the box. And I was like, oh, this is great. This is, I just uh, published my first article in the Journal of Leadership Education on, on that topic. And one of the things that was completely outside the box to kind of play with that, knowing that many of the professionals that were coming to NCLC were just kind of Going to be sitting on the peripheral, just kind of watching while the students were engaged in this amazing conference that the students put on and facilitated, and, and what an amazing staff and and program uh, that you had there. But professionals were like, well, what are we supposed to do while we're here? And you had put together this session for professionals to learn a little bit about designing leadership curriculum and just you know basic do's and don'ts and and just really great resources that I never experienced anything like that. And in fact, I, I was glad I signed up for it because I was I didn't know what to expect, and I still have the little booklet in my folder in my office. And so I had an opportunity to, to interact with you and some of your colleagues there. And then we ran into each other at NASPA maybe a month later. But then our, our funny story for me is, uh, so fast forward a little bit to the end of 2012. So Leadership Educators Institute, which we've talked about a ton on this, this podcast, and we had Craig Slack come in and uh, talk about the, the clearinghouse and, and that relationship to that, that conference. So there was a there was a mixer at Sloopy's Diner there in the in the Union at Ohio State, and you and I had just both attended. Maybe it was one particular session or a series of sessions. We were just kind of like, meh, you know. And and again, I don't know who who it was, you know, that was facilitating those sessions, but we weren't we weren't particularly impressed. And we were thinking about like, well, what could be like if if we really wanted to design some type of program or event or experience that would be different for leadership educators, particularly like new and, and mid-level professionals that was more structured. You know, I think we called it the uncommerce. Like, what would that look like? But um, but I, I think I'm getting ahead of myself. I think I saw you come in from, you know, down down the hallway of the of the diner or whatever and, and was like, hey, I saved you a seat or something like that. And we started jotting stuff down and drawing things up on like a napkin or like a piece of notebook paper or something. And eventually from that, and, and I think, you know, you, you might tell it better about how I, you know, kind of said I would follow up with you. And you're like, yeah, sure. He's not really going to follow up with me. But I did when we got together we invited a you know just an amazing cadre of folks and you know i guess the rest the rest is history am i am i recollecting this correctly corey you know dan every time you tell the story it gets a little bit more factually accurate so it must be that every time i tell the story to correct yeah. you you sort of internalize all of that because uh, the, the first iteration of this story i you did not tell people that you saved me a seat really okay. that you 
and now you're you're owning that so i do appreciate okay. that yeah my, my recollection is very much the same coming into sloopies and seeing you sort of waving your hand amongst the crowd like over here over here i'm like i was with a, a colleague of mine she's like who's that and i'm like i think his name is, is dan dan jenkins and she's like i think he wants you to sit with him i'm like okay so we sort of go over and squish into this booth and um and and we ended up getting to have a very good conversation and we did jot down a lot of notes and it's funny how many of those things on the notes actually have made it into the current iteration of the leadership education academy which is what was born from that i mean i'm thinking about it it's 2021 that was like almost nine years ago Dan. Yeah. we we had that conversation and then and then someone was asking me yesterday about the name of the the name of lea and i said well i think the first name was like Naledi or something. Naledi or Letty or something like that, right? It was something very long and very clunky. And I remember that being on our initial sheet and we're like, it is not going to market well, is it? So, no. um, but yeah, I, I honestly, it was kind of more of a dream session for me as I didn't realize that the capacity that we had to be, be able to see it through. And um, you know, after afterwards, we we left the we left the conference, and it wasn't until a couple of weeks later that I get this email from you. It was like, all right, well, when's our first meeting? And I thought. What are we meeting about? You're like, we're going to plan this thing. And I was like, uh, okay. So I really just did not know that this was going to be something that would come to fruition. And then as soon as we started meeting, I realized this is something we can actually pull off and then became, you know, really, really invested in, in seeing this through and, and have been since the beginning. But yeah, I do think your memory is actually, you know, pretty spot on. I'm excited for the next time you tell the story because it'll probably be like 100% spot on. You've, you've helped me to reframe my uh, my memory there, Corey. Your, your interventions have been successful. So, <laughs> well, now it's recorded. So, That's Corey, right. you just have to cue it up. Minute minute three and a half is where I think Dan That's came right. in. That if you if you remember, I said right here at four minutes and twelve seconds. That right, exactly. So right, exactly. So yeah, no, and it, and it was just you know it was an exciting endeavor, and we we were able to pull together this like dream dream team of folks that we we still which are still our dear friends, and we've had some of these folks on the podcast too, like you know Carrie Kreis and Tony Andonoro and and Paige and Carrie and and um, and Sherry and the whole team and Dave Raj and the list goes on and on and Eric Bushlin and and Ryan Satterthwaite who's still involved and you know and we we thought gosh let's let's put this this idea together and and then we we realized all right well we got to sell this to somebody like how are we going to put this thing on like what what if we build this where where are people going to to flock to and trying to create connections and and relationships professional associations and eventually landing with with the ILA and you know, I guess the rest is history and we're we're working towards our, our fourth iteration of this after having to take a year off last year because of, of the pandemic because it was designed as a face-to-face -face experience but but now we're looking very much at and one of the things I definitely want to talk about with you is what this transformed virtual leadership education academy will look like it if, if you had to kind of describe like who like who's the target audience? Would you agree with me that it's still kind of new and, and mid-level professionals? And like, what is it? What does it look and feel like? Well, you know, when we put this whole thing together, um, our initial idea was that it would be for new professionals, and then we quickly realized that mid-level professionals wanted to come. And then we had our first one. Then we had all these senior-level professionals come, and 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 I think that that's part and parcel of the fact that they're people are craving these kinds of experiences. They're craving the in-depth unconference you know not going from one discrete session to the next just kind of having to shift brains and think like what's gonna what am i going to cover now but really have a continuity of content and we just don't have a lot of opportunities in leadership education for those kinds of things and so i that's why we were drawing anybody and everybody and i remember our very first iteration we were imagining getting basically new faculty members 
maybe maybe a few student affairs people, but we didn't even really fully plan on that. And we thought new faculty. Well, we realized quickly we had a ton of student affairs people, new faculty, seasoned faculty, seasoned student affairs. And then by the next one, we ended up having people who were um, administrators, like higher education administrators, provosts, deans, department chairs that said, I, you know, I want to start a leadership program on my campus. We had consultants, we had people from, you know, uh, nonprofits, we had people, corporate trainer type people. And it was, it's so interesting how the target audience really is people who want to, you know, get inundated in the beginning stages of understanding the content and the pedagogy behind leadership education. But I don't think we realized that that market is, ended up being a whole lot bigger than we anticipated. And so I'm thinking as we, we transition for this year and, um, you know, possibly offering uh, virtual options in the future is that this could potentially be even bigger than we're expecting in, in the sense that, the, the self-paced kind of, you know, asynchronous portion of it paired with the synchronous connection portion of it, you know, gives people an opportunity to connect. And I, and I think that that's really dire in this time. And I can imagine that we're going to have lots of people across the spectrum. So while we have our target audience, I think what we've done over the years is really shifted it instead of saying, here's kind of our target audience to here's kind of what our target goals are. And if you align with those goals, wherever you are in your career or whatever position you're in, then this is the experience for you. So I really quickly um, want to say, so I fell into that target audience. So I was at that 2012 LEI and I remember someone in the large session, uh, it was when uh, Susan Colmavez was sitting on the stage and they were doing one of those chair, like well, chat check press, yeah. yeah, those, those where she's, where they sit in the fancy chairs and their center stage. And this guy was like, you know, I'm kind of winging it. I don't have a leadership education background. And she was kind of like, we're all winging it, honey. Like, you know, join the rest of the club. And I was so glad that he shared that. And, and the audience that you described was the audience, was who I was. I'd come from a student activities background. I had just taken over a leadership department. It was my first leadership education conference at, at, as a professional leadership educator. And all I had was the handbook to guide me. My dean of students, you know, had no clue how my office ran. You know, I was a single person office, so there wasn't even uh, someone I could rely on that had worked in the office. I had to ask the person who had left if they would continue to, to share. So I, I feel like your timing with that was so impeccable. And I feel like that will always be a need because there's so much out there to learn. And we all almost feel like some sense of imposter syndrome, even though it's not like there's this whole big, you know, Mecca, there's not this castle we all go to, to, you know, we walk through and we come out as leadership educators that doesn't exist really. Um, but I feel like there'll always be that need. Um, so I just wanted to jump in and share that. Yeah. And, and Corin, I think talked early on about this idea of like how many conversations we had with people that were winging it, who they're like, Oh, hey, where are you from? You know, Oh, why are you with this conference? I'm here because my fill in the blank told me I needed to start a leadership program at my university or my college or my, you know, or my organization or what have you. And it's just, it was this idea, you know, that Corey and I had of like, well, how can we like meet this need? Like what are, what's like the key content that like you, we wish we had when we got started and whenever it was that we first picked up that, that leadership book or we're asked to teach that first class or facilitate that first program and, and to kind of meet that where it was at. And it was this think tank of folks that came together and, and, and had so many conversations and some really great debates. And, and, it, and it was, and then we had a team of folks that were not just even the original facilitators. We had other folks that contributed to the conversation for sure. Like Craig Slack and Melissa Rocco and others that, you know, really Tom Matthews, that got us thinking about like, all right, what if, 
what would we design to be like a curriculum for this? And, and we settled on, um, and, and Corey will keep me honest uh, on this too. So it's, it was like the content because so many of us and, and the research just continues to, to support this is our leadership educators are more often than not, not coming in with a terminal degree in leadership. In fact, got a lot of folks coming out of student affairs, master's programs predominantly, as well as so many other disciplines. It's something like a, a quarter or a third of, of our leadership educators have a terminal degree in, in leadership or related field. And so it was like, okay, content is like, we got we to gotta cover major content, major theories, and then it's design. Like, how do you design effective leadership learning interventions and then delivery? And then the design also in the delivery, you know, intertwined with that, of course, is assessment and evaluation and feedback and and what have you, but it was it was that, and, and I, this definitely had to have been your idea, Corey, about, and what about coaching? Which I think you may have said it just like that. Like, what if there was this experience where we could serve as coaches to have some one-on-one -on -one conversations as an additional value add with these participants, um, which which are so meaningful and so just like rewarding as a, as a facilitator, because we make sure that every participant has a one-on-one -on -one coaching session with one of the facilitators and that everything would be experiential, like extremely active. Like well, you're moving around like crazy. You're, you're interacting with all the different facilitators. Everything is, 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 is high, high engaged learning. Um, and we are actively transforming that for the virtual space. So like, what do you think, like what's gonna be different about LEA 2021 versus prior LEAs? Like what can the lucky 80 that sign up in time <laughs> on ILA's website, what can they expect? Well, I think we're going to bring the best of all worlds to, to the participants this year with combining asynchronous and synchronous learning. We've spent a lot of time going through the curriculum and trying to figure out what, what is relevant. And we do this every year because the curriculum, it, while we have a foundation to it, we're constantly changing it so much that we get some of the same participants come over and over and over because they get you know, some new information. But um, this, the, as we've gone through this process, the synchronous pieces have kind of come in, out and emerged out as... Um, as things that could be potentially even more engaging than they were than when they were face to face, which is a really neat experience to say, okay, you know, before we might have had this, you know, them doing, you know, some kind of a, a listening and, and, and maybe just a personal reflection and, and, you know, and that was really good and powerful. But now that we have the asynchronous, you know, we can put in things like, like videos and little case studies and things that that might have taken more time than we had at the initial LEA face-to-face -face, where they can actually do that, get further and deeper and more engaged into that content that maybe we only had 20 minutes for in the in the face-to-face. -face. So now we have a lot of dynamic learning. And as we're going through and we're mapping the curriculum, we are literally tagging every piece of curriculum that we have in our lessons, lesson planning that basically says what kind of a of an engagement um, piece is tied to this. Is this an interactive PowerPoint? Is it a case study? Is it a quiz? Is it a role play? Is it a survey? because this gives us an audit to say, how engaging is this? And that's really important. So the asynchronous piece is not just, you know, kind of the single modality of read, respond, read, respond. It's actually very dynamic. But then we pair that with the synchronous pieces, which is where we believe that that's where the connection happens. So we've been able to pull pieces out of LEA that we, we believe are incredibly, um, you know, connective, interactive things that really do take kind of that human space to be able to do with others and pull them into a, a, a schedule that makes sense. So when you're coming together with us, you're not sitting and listening to things. You're coming together to do, to be, to engage, to interact. And that is what's really key. So we're finding that we're able to engage differently based on both asynchronous and synchronous in really intentional and meaningful ways. And for us, it's been great because we're trying to model that which we're trying to share with participants, that this is 
this is a great way to kind of diversify the way that you you know put forth learning opportunities for students and for you know staff or faculty whoever it is you're engaging with and we're going to model that so it's going to be really dynamic in all senses so whether you're you know the asynchronous module before you go to the synchronous um, you're going to get to know people we're going to have affinity groups you're going to be able to connect with others that share similar job roles or functions um, we're going to be able to do a lot of reflection we've incorporated a lot of leadership educator identity pieces into the synchronous learning where we're going to be able to have people reflect and engage at the same time um, well paired with the asynchronous learning that one thing that's really great about it is that the participants can go back and review it over and over and over, unlike an actual face-to-face -face event where they're not capturing that. So if they want to go back and read more about learning objectives or learn more or practice, they will have all those resources available to them. So it's going to be a pretty dynamic experience and it's incredibly intentional. So I'm really excited about how this is going to unfold. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I've always loved about um, the way that we constructed it was that that idea of that that reinforced learning and the scaffolding of as we're showcasing different ways to teach things, different learning strategies, different assessment strategies, different ways to, to engage leadership learners in meaning making and critical reflection. We would pause at certain times throughout the experience and say, hey, remember that session we did yesterday, you know, yesterday at 1130? Like, that's what we're talking about right now. And you just see these light bulbs go off because they're learning from that experience, whatever that emotion that they experienced when they went through that activity or you know, or we're engaged in a learning activity that you were facilitating, Corey, or one of the other facilitators that that changed the way that they think about situational leadership or power and influence or what have you. They, they're bringing that with them and understanding like, oh, that's how you design that experience. And I can do this too. Like, and just the resources that that they get, which, you know, in the past we, we, we provided folks with a, with like a workbook, you know, a, a participant workbook with all kinds of different resources. And that content is going to be something that's available um, in the online and the asynchronous uh, portal that we're that we're actively designing for folks so they'll have all those resources um just in more of a digital format um this year yeah i always i just always love being able to you know kind of do that i think as as, as just as educators we're always like ah see i told you like you learned something you didn't even know it so that was always just a rewarding part of this I love how y'all have talked about this program and the intentional design behind it. And I, I feel like as leadership educators, I feel like we want to do that more, but I don't know that that is expressed across all faculty members. I, and I, I, I love that you're changing based on the experiences you have, the knowledge you have about designing curriculum, as well as the changing characteristics of the population you're trying to serve. And I, I think that it's, it's, going to create a meaningful experience people are naturally interested in the leadership topic but if if all of the things that you're talking about are incorporated into that program it's going to be that much better it's going to it's going to change the game it's going to make people especially in this new like virtual and in-person space that i think we're going to have to embrace moving forward it's going to make conferences and symposiums and or and professional development events really change their approach if you're able to put these things together i also feel like too just modeling good teaching practices like i, I think about if my students go through my class and i've modeled good teaching practices do they then are they inspired to become an educator and or do they then start to expect that from their other faculty members and are they telling them about that in faculty evaluations or in feedback or any of that process so that we're changing this culture around teaching um, instead of just kind of being like teaching how we've always taught so I love it i'm excited, let me see if my schedule is available to attend 
Yeah, what does the schedule look like? Well, I mean, we're doing it. We normally we do it over three and a half days where we take mm-hmm. you and we're, you know, kind of hunkered down in a hotel and, you know, some city and, you know, like a retreat like format, but we're doing it over the course of two weeks just because the, the asynchronous learning, you need a little bit more time to let that sink in. And frankly, to be honest, I think it's going to be a little bit more robust than we've done in the past because we have the ability to build out those asynchronous modules. They might take longer than we've normally, normally allocated for. So giving some people some, what we've been told is some kind of blank space to be able to um, have some kind of downtime to in, internalize the content is really important. So we have the, the synchronous sessions over the course of two, two weeks, Monday, Wednesday, Friday in the afternoons, Eastern time. Um, and then we have the asynchronous modules, you know, kind of smattered throughout, depending on when people want to do them. They will, um, the goal is also to have those available a little bit before even uh, we start LEA so that people want to get kind of a head start on some of the asynchronous pieces can do that. But this model will um, will certainly kind of pace things out a little bit uh, more for folks. And, and again, you know, trying to be really intentional about the kind of design, especially in a world in which people are pretty zoomed out, uh, was, it was really important to be able to, to spread it out and to think differently about how we, we offer it. And, you know, as, as we try to, again, model what we're doing, um, part of it is assessment and figuring out, does this work? Because I, I can't imagine, and, and there's no commitment here, but I can't imagine that we wouldn't, with all the work going into this and potentially the positive outcome that will come from this, that we wouldn't somehow work a virtual option into LEA in the future, whether that's every other year or some variation of something. It, it seems like it's going to, the, so far, be a very positive and very strong model. So I think it's going to be important for us to be able to collect some really good evaluative data on, did it work? What did people learn? How did they, down to some of the real basics, did you like the scheduling? Did the timing work? Was it too much on the modules and those kinds of things? Um, so first time out of the gate, we're trying to use our own best practices. Uh, and then, but of course, always open to learning. And there's no two LEAs that have ever been the same because we really believe in feedback and we really believe in making the program better. I kind of felt like we were like running a, a political campaign that first time and in, in, uh, in Orlando in 2015, where we've just put on this two and a half day experience at the time, it was two and a half days, not three and a half. And we realized it needed to be longer. And one of the re- ways that we learned that was, you know, we were really intentional too about how we collected feedback from participants and we're just waiting for the feedback to come. I mean, folks gave us, I mean, I probably was, you know, definitely displaying some emotion. I mean, folks gave us a standing ovation at the end of the event. Like we, we just, we just couldn't, we were exhausted, you know, just emotionally, physically from putting that, putting that event on. And then the, the evaluation started to come in and it was just like beyond anything we could have possibly, it was like, we had just won in a landslide, you know, an election we didn't think we had a, had a shot at, you know, and just getting, getting that feedback back and folks saying that, you know, best use of professional development funds they've, they've ever experienced. And just, it was, you know, while that was affirming too, we were still like, why can we make it better? You know, and, and every single time we start the planning phases again for the next one, it's, it's, you know, it's, I can say it's new and improved. It's always improved. Some, you know, there are there is some classic content, but of course, as, as you mentioned, Corey, we're we're responding to the needs of leadership educators, how they're teaching, where they're teaching, who they're teaching, and and it's just it's it's so rewarding and developmental as being being a part of this and getting to work with you and all the amazing facilitators as this thing continues to to evolve. 
Well, I love the work that y'all are doing. And, but I also know that, um, Corey, you don't just plan LEA all year round. I'm sure that you have other responsibilities. Um, I know that I, I, I mentioned to Dan, um, and, and you before that I was first introduced to your work in 2012 at that LEI in, at Ohio State, which we got to do some digging and find out how many things came out of that Ohio State LEI, because I feel like every third episode, someone talks about, well, I met this person and this, you know, span off. Um, but I was first introduced into student leadership competencies and then later was introduced to your Generation Z research and found both were so meaningful, especially because at the time I was a student affairs practitioner. And I we in student affairs, you center the student in your work, whereas in academic affairs, you, it seems like you center like the topic and the research and sometimes less the student in your work. And so I gravitated towards it immediately because I knew my students were changing and I knew their characteristics and attitudes were changing, but I didn't have anything until your book to, to understand what was really happening with this student, um, with students between your book and my now 20 year old, who is like 15 or 16 at the time, I, I, I didn't know what was going on. And so it was that meaningful research as well as the competencies that opened a, a ton of doors for me. Um, so I think about my my teenager, he was in high school. And I remember saying like, so when your teachers do PowerPoints, like what what is what do they do? And he's like, well, we don't, they don't do PowerPoints. And I'm like, how, well, how do you learn if there's no PowerPoints? And, and so that kind of led me on this search. And again, it changed a lot of my approach to student affairs, but then also teaching. And so, for those of you who may not know, um, can you talk a little bit about how you got into one, the conversation of generational research, and then two, the conversation around student leadership competencies? Yeah, sure. Well, you know, it's so funny how, um, you know, people find whatever their research niche is, right? And that's like your thing and you become known for your thing. And I got known early on for my competency work, which I thought was honestly going to be the be all end all of my entire career and that everything I would ever do from this point on was going to be about, you know, student leadership competencies. And I kind of found out that that wasn't necessarily the case at all. Uh, it's actually kind of coming full circle because what I wrote about in my dissertation, which people say you're never going to use again, I'm actually writing a paper now, pulling excerpts out of my dissertation. So you never know what it is that's going to be of interest or passion to you. Um, so, you know, I'll actually start chronologically with the competencies because that was that goes back to 2008. And it's really kind of a funny story. I had just hired a whole staff, well, a whole staff in my little office was two full time people and two grad assistants. And they had just started. I had they had no longevity whatsoever with me before. And we had just secured this platform called OrgSync, which I ended up going on further later on down the road. And I worked for them for a year. But at the time, we were going to be doing all online evaluations of our programs. And we, I wanted to do more learning evaluations, not just like program evaluations. And I told my staff, I said, okay, we got two weeks before school starts. Let's go ahead and build the evaluations for our programs. And I had a staff member, his name was Tom Murray, who I ended up doing early competency research with. He looked at me and he said, well, what are we evaluating? I said, I don't, I don't know whether they learned something. He says, well, what are they supposed to be learning? I said, well, we have, we have learning outcomes in there. And we looked at them and they just weren't, they weren't like in a way that you would measure them per se. And, and so we ended up figuring out that we needed to try to align something with each of our programs to say what we wanted students to learn. And we didn't really know what that something was. And so we both independently just uh, went on our ways and we pulled out a bunch of leadership models and documents, NASPA and ACPA documents, and just lined them all up and independently made a list of all the things students should learn that have to do with leadership. 
And we came back to each other and we compared our lists. And we remarkably had the same information on our list, which is a testament to the fact that apparently we both can read so and then write things down. But but it was it was sort of affirming at the time. And we ended up uh, coming up with this master list and, and we didn't know what they were. We didn't know if they were like standards or or, or what. We had no idea. So we, we just called them competencies. We didn't even know anything about competencies research. So we had this list and we ended up making our evaluations after we associated the competencies with our events. And then that was 2008 and went to LEI. We happened to have put in a program proposal um, and we, we went to LEI and um, we got there and we we're so excited to present our list. When there, and, and at the time, this was in Maryland, there were like, I don't know, 12 programs total. Three of them were all about leadership competencies. Never seen or heard a word about leadership competencies my whole life all of a sudden show up and there's these sessions. And now I'm getting kind of protective. I'm like, well, my list is better than your list. I don't know what your list is, but mine is better. And, and so then um, it ended up being that, that Susan Comavez came to our session and she waited in the back when the session was over and which at the time um, made me really nervous and probably still would make me nervous. I love Susan, uh, she's amazing. And she always has something so wise to say. And I was like, she's spending time giving us wisdom. What does that mean? So she told us, she said, I love your competency list. And she said, I think you need to take those competencies and um, look at academic accrediting agencies and see if those are in the learning outcomes or you know, to what extent do they do leadership? And uh, so we went back and decided to actually map every single one of them um, rather than just picking a smattering of, of programs or undergraduate or doing some criteria. And we mapped them all. And well, and, and um, Tom mapped a lot of them with me and then he went on his way to go do another job and ended up in a doctoral program and so forth. So I kind of, I sort of went out on my own and um, mapped these competencies and ended up with a really robust study. And then all of a sudden it was like then a presentation and then a book and then it just sort of kept cycling. And now I'm several, several articles in. I'm working right now. I've got two articles I'm working on right now about competencies because I redid all the mapping in 2019 and it took a whole year to do by myself. Um, so anyways, that's really how I got into it. I fell into it by accident, which is exactly the same story that happened with my Generation Z stuff. Same, same story. Just kind of piqued my curiosity. It was like, oh, well, let's do, you know, I want to do my job better. And I don't understand what's happening with these students. They're, they, they're acting a little differently than I'm used to. And I started digging on Google and found information about a new generation and said, I don't know much about what this is. I thought everybody was going to be a millennial from here until eternity. And that wasn't the case either. So I put together a handout of just a list of things that we should know as a staff to better serve our students. Next thing you know, I'm like doing original research. I have my grad assistant who partnered with me, who's now my co-collaborator, has gone on, gotten a doctorate and goes, speaks around the world on this stuff. And we've written books together and we did a study and then we did a book and then we've done articles and more studies and more books and more articles. And um, you know, here, here we are. And it's, again, it's one of those things where I just, I was curious about what was going on. In the first instance, it was because my staff member called me out on it and said, wait a minute, we don't know what we're measuring. And then as soon as he said that, it occurred to me, we needed to do better by our students. And then the second one was just recognizing we need to do better by our students. And so being in student affairs gave me that front line to say, what's missing? What do I need to know to do my job better? And they both opened up research agendas that I had no clue were going to be so profound for me, like a, a really profound experience for me. And then in the goal would be hopefully helpful for others. 
I love that that evolution because you're showing that like there's so there's literature to contribute to, but then there's also this scholarship that can deeply inform practice. I know from my personal experience, I was able to go to like our accounting student organization and say, okay, so based on the competencies, here's the leadership theories that our office provides. And then your professional organization wants you to know these six to eight things and like and showing that data opened up academic partnerships that I don't know would have been as strong had I not had that that work. And and so I, like I'm eternally grateful for those experiences because we were then able to show the work that our office was doing as well as kind of what you'll need when you graduate in a very clear way. I, I, I talk to my students a lot about leadership being in the clouds, like it's everywhere and nowhere at the same time, but I can say, this is what your professional association wants. Um, they want to make sure the university provides. Here's where you're getting it, but also here are these supplemental programs that we're able to use. Once we added that to the leadership office, in addition to like the leadership challenge and strengths and like all these other tools, it really opened the door uh, for us to be able to do to do really good work. And then I'm glad you started researching the generation question because I had it too. And I was just like, oh, well, okay, I know they're changing. I'll pay attention to my students. But then your work kind of solidified it. Um, for for us. Um, what are you working on moving forward? Are you still just kind of continuing projects in those spaces? Um, is there anything like right now or coming up that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, it's funny because now that I have both of these things, I try to make sure that I don't let any of them sit on the shelf for too long. So um, as far as the competencies, um, I have I'm working and finalizing one article that's all about the 2019 reanalysis of all of the uh, the learning outcomes. So there were the first time I did it, I believe there were around 16,000 learning outcomes. I looked at this last time there were 36,000. So it was, it's much more robust. And I, um, last year I had, um, a developer build a database for me. So you can do a search. It used to be on the Josie Bass website, but I've updated it. So I put it on my own website and you can actually search. So if you want to go in and look at accounting, you can see all the latest and greatest for accounting. Those kinds of things are on there. Um, and then I'm also working on another, uh, a couple other pieces with that. Uh, I'm, I'm doing this wonderful uh, study, which I have to give kudos of credit to uh, to the folks in Nebraska, um, Lindsay and LJ, uh, and then we have another person, a statistician uh, named Alex, who's working with us, that we're trying to actually do some connections between um, basically kind of youth leadership identity and youth leadership competency development. And we've been working on the study for, oh goodness, over two years, two and a half years now. And uh, in the process of that, have been able to look at the uh, at a youth leadership competencies instrument, and in the and, and you know, kind of get some metrics on that. I, I'd like to release that probably in the next six to eight months. We don't have much around that's developed and targeted specifically for youth. It's built on youth leadership premise models, research, and so forth, and its competencies for them. So that's I'm, I'm getting more into the kind of the youth space with some of those competency pieces. So that's really exciting. Uh, and then I'm working on another piece for uh, around uh, types of learning um, and how we focus on different types of learning when it comes to competencies, which is really kind of a neat piece too. As far as Generation uh, Generation Z goes, uh, we're just now um, we getting the pieces together. We put in our IRB proposal last week to do what's going to be our largest Generation Z study that we've ever done. Um, it's going to be a global comparative study, and we're going to be asking for partnering institutions who would like to survey their undergraduate population. This fall marks this, the, the first birth year of the second half of Generation Z. So we call them the little Zs. And we're gonna be doing some comparison with our big Zs that we looked at in 2014. 
see if there's some similarities. And we've also had requests from uh, institutions around the globe. So we may be offering it in multiple languages and um, be doing some comparisons that way. But our goal is to have 100 institutions partner with us. Our last study, I think we had over 50. So that doesn't seem you know, untenable. Uh, and over 10,000 participants. And then each of the institutions would get their institutional data, which would be really neat. And they can do some, some stuff with their own Gen Z data. But we're gonna be asking lots and lots of things that we didn't ask in our previous studies, things around, um, particularly around money, uh, COVID pandemic, um, the things around uh, social issues. Uh, we've expanded things around social issues and family dating, some of those kinds of things. So we can get a much bigger picture of this generation um, and so that's that's really exciting. We're going to be putting that together. And then we're also we just launched a series of courses on generations. You can get cert certified in. Um, we've got ten different courses, and you can get a master certificate by taking all ten. And we're doing a live master certificate class this summer. So it's a ten week class, and you meet every week. There's an asynchronous module, and then you come and we do the synchronous together for ten weeks, and then you get a, a master certificate at the end. So it's like I'm, I'm we're just spinning, like lots of spinning. Like you know, sometimes it's like really heady and into like the numbers and counting up competencies, and other times it's like cool. We need a graphic for this course, uh, and then other times it's building relationships to get partners for our future studies. So just a lot of really fun things going on. There's always something on the horizon. Yeah. No, one of the things I've always just loved, loved and admired about you, Corey, is just the, you know, the tenacity and the, and the work ethic and, and just the, that you chase, you chase these interests, these things that pique your interest, as you mentioned, like Gen Z, like the competencies, well, we can do, we can do better. Like what else do we want to know about these, these populations and, and all, all with the end goal of increasing the capacity to, to work with these particular, whether it be the students of a particular generation, or how do we move the needle a little bit farther forward so that leadership learning can be more beneficial and, and more, more productive and, and align better with the story that Lauren shared about, you know, being able to talk to students from so many different types of programs, whether they be, you know, engineers or in healthcare or what have you, and, and be able to say, this is relevant and here's why, and here are the, the learning outcomes of a, you know, professional association or a credentialing process or association that, that you're going to need. And these are the leadership learning outcomes that are going to be, uh, that are going to be extremely, extremely important to, to you as you, as you reach towards that. And as you seek that, that end goal in your, in your own career, it's just always fun and trying to, trying to keep up with you. And I think I, Early on in, in, in our work relationship, I, I was always, ex uh, when you still worked at University of Arizona, I was always excited that you were three hours behind me because it would give me an extra few hours to, to catch up on the things that uh, keep me accountable with things that we were that we were partnering on. And so um, that that just always, that always made me smile. So is, is there anything that that we didn't ask you that, you know, you want to share, hell yay, or working with, with our team or, or what have you? Yeah, I, I mean, just just overall, I, you know, as we go through this profession, and I know many people are realizing this, that it's it's less about what you do, it's less about what you create, and it's just more about how you are, right, and and how you interact with people. And you know, as I know, people listen to your podcast that you know at, at various levels within you know kind of their own professional trajectory and their own levels of experience is really thinking about probably the greatest thing that I've gotten out of all the initiatives I've ever done is just. Is, is, is as much as I wanna say it's the impact that I know that I'm making on student development or learning or all those things. At the end of the day, it's the people. And I think about programs like LEA and I think about programs like you know ILA or, you know, or even just opportunities to sit and have these kind of conversations like we're doing that we just need to have more of because it's really, it's really about the people. And it's people that give you the great opportunities. It's the people that spark your interest. It's the conversations at Sloopy's that make events happen 
five, six years later that are literally influencing and creating change on campuses that we can't even measure because we don't even know that it's happening. And it's those kinds of things that are the most fulfilling part of this profession is being able to connect. And we, we spend so much time focusing on how to connect with students and that's incredibly important and should be the center of our mission. But at the same time, we don't pay homage to the importance of connecting with each other. And I hope that programs like LEA, we end up with more things that help people connect instead of just a transfer of knowledge that we end up with kind of, you know, an inspiration of ideas and just even friendships, because I think that's what's going to drive this profession to continue to to grow and develop and for all of us to really enjoy the work that we do. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm incredibly grateful and thankful that you uh, were open to, to the conversation with with me all, the, all those years ago and and what we've been able to, to transform and, and to create and, and and the difference we've been able to make in the lives of, of so many leadership educators. So, yeah, and so I, I want to share with uh, with our listeners. So, uh, Leadership Education Academy. So, uh, registration is is now live. Uh, if you go to ila-net.org forward slash lea forward slash lea twenty twenty one, you can check that out there. It's also on the ila.org uh, on their their homepage. There, there's a link to to that event. And then check out Corey, you've got your, your Ted talk, uh, generation Z making a difference their way and your books on Gen Z, like Gen Z goes to college, Gen Z leads and generation Z a century in the making. And of course the student leadership competencies guidebook. Um, I don't know if I left any, any publications out, um, but certainly I know you've got some, some things in the hopper and, and always um, producing some really great peer reviewed research. So um, that, you know, again, Corey, just thank you so much for making time for us. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you on and getting to, to share the story and, and keep me accountable um, and uh, make sure that I'm, I'm telling the truth. So that wraps up this episode of the Leadership Educator Podcast. Uh, please check out all the amazing things Corey's working on at CoreyCMiller.com. And again, Corey, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, best of luck as you wrap up the end of your semester. Thank you both for having me. I enjoyed it. We would love for you to follow us on Twitter. I'm at Dr. That's Dr. Underscore Leadership. And uh, Lauren is at M-R-S-L-A-U-R-J-B. That's Mrs. Laura J-B. And you can find the episodes wherever podcasts are available. And we also encourage you to subscribe and rate us five stars. As the more you rate us, the easier it is for others to find us. We'd also like to thank the James M. Cox Jr. Institute for Journalism, Innovation, Management, and Leadership within the Grady College of Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of Georgia. The Support was facilitated by Dr. Keith Herndon, William S. Morris Chair in New Strategy and Management. And our wonderful theme music was composed, performed, and mixed by Dr. Matthew White, trumpeter, composer, and educator. And he's currently an associate professor of trumpet, coordinator of jazz and commercial music, and director of ensembles at Coastal Carolina University. You can check him out at www.mattwhitejazz.com. Matt, thanks so much for sharing your musical genius with our audience. And finally, thank you to the Association of Leadership Educators. Check out what ALE has to offer at leadershipeducators.org. We hope you'll listen to our next episode wherever you get your podcasts.